What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now it is time for sports news for July 30th, and your reader is Clark Kibito. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind of other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. Shohei Otani in New York, Juan Soto to St. Louis, the MLB trade deadline deals we'd like to see. Bradford Doolittle and David Schoenfeld. The MLB trade deadline is just days away, and we're all waiting for a Juan Soto blockbuster or another splash that will change the course of the rest of the season and beyond. There's a big difference between what's going to happen and what we think should happen, so we ask ESPN.com's Bradford Doolittle and David Schoenfeld to figure out the best possible trades for the biggest names we're hearing could move. The Washington Nationals should trade Juan Soto to the Doolittle. Here's the part where we emphasize these trades that we personally would like to see, not the trades that we will think happen. No, nevertheless, when I imagine Soto on the St. Louis Cardinals, I do so knowing that they have been termed one of the clubs that match up best with the Nationals' trade asks. I just don't think it'll happen because the ever-above-average Cardinals just don't do this kind of in-season splash. But to see Soto lead the way through a postseason run that will send Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols into the twilight would be an amazing baseball story. The Cardinals could certainly use Soto's bat in the outfield, though it would weaken St. Louis's elite defense out there in the grass. With Paul Goldschmidt signed only through 2024, maybe St. Louis even could make a run at giving Soto the $500 million deal he wants. The package going back to the Nats would be headlined by either Nolan Gorman or prospect Jordan Walker as a starting point. While GM Mike Rizzo said that Washington isn't going to fold Patrick Corbin and his upside-down contract into a deal if it dilutes the prospect return, perhaps if the Nationals include some cash, that would expand the deal even more. That is, if the Cardinals scouts see something fixable in Corbin, because St. Louis needs the pitching. The Cardinals also need Soto, or at least I need them to need Soto. Schoenfeld, you're all loving up the Soto trade rumors, dreaming up scenarios, I'm sure, where he heads on your team. I hear you. As a long-suffering Mariners fans, I'd love to see Soto hitting behind Julio Rodriguez. It's all good and fun and innocent until Soto is inevitably traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I say this knowing GM A.J. Preller of the Padres will end up offering Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, Robert Hassel, and three Orcas from SeaWorld. The biggest names, however, almost always go into a team already in first place. Think Justin Verlander to the Astros, New Darvish to the Dodgers in 17, Machado to the Dodgers in 18, Grinky to the Astros in 19, Max Scherzer or Trey Turner to the Dodgers, or Javier Baez to the Mets in 2021. Note, the Dodgers were just mentioned three different times. Executive Andrew Friedman loves the trade deadline, and he's staring at a lineup that includes Max Muncy hitting 158 and Cody Bellinger 205. With Chris Taylor injured, the Dodgers have been playing Trace Thompson in the outfield and DHing lightweights like Hanser Alberto and Jake Lamb. Plus, 
Let's face it, in the era of great Dodgers teams, they haven't won a World Series in a 162-game season. They won a real title, not a COVID-19 one. So to win Dodger Blue, not so fun anymore, is it? The Los Angeles Angels should trade Shohei Otani to the Doolittle. Why should the big markets get to have all the fun? The Minnesota Twins are all in after signing Carlos Correa. They need a number one starter, but also could use an everyday DH to plug in the middle of their lineup. This move, along with additional moves to deepen the bullpen, would make Minnesota a very dangerous team in the playoffs this season and next. Of course, the Twins need to get to the playoffs first. With Otani on board, that would help them finally gain some separation in the AL Central race. After next season, when Otani hits free agency, then the big market teams can get another crack. Minnesota has good depth in the pitching prospects the Angels need, Josh Winder for starters, but can also offer up near-ready position players like Alex Krilkoff and the currently injured Royce Lewis from position groups where the Twins have decent coverage. Maybe they can expand the prospect pool just a little and get Noah Syndergaard from the Halos as well. I would love to see this happen. This is the best New York Mets team since 1988. A team with a chance to win 100 games, a team that's not going to collapse in the final two months like last year. A Mets team that actually plays good defense, has the most dominant closer in the game in Edwin Diaz, a team that absolutely can go all the way. Now imagine this team with Shohei Otani in a playoff rotation with Scherzer, Jacob deGrom, Otani, Tuan Walker, and if you need him, Chris Bassett. And you will probably need him given Otani requires more than four days of rest between starts, and deGrom might as well. And picture Otani serving as the DH when he's not pitching. The Mets do need more power, with 58 fewer home runs than the Braves, the team they're trying to hold off in the NL East which is important as well so you can skip that first round best of three series. The Angels will want Francisco Alvarez, arguably the best prospect in the minors. It's Otani. Make the trade, then sign him to a huge extension. Cincinnati Reds should trade Luis Castillo to the Doolittle. The Seattle Mariners are in position to end a 21-year playoff drought. That baseball's itchy its texter and GM Jerry Depoto began the season with supreme optimism that Seattle was ready to break out. It's a mindset that only has to amp up his eagerness with the deadline approaching. Starting pitching has been middle of the pack, but it projects to regress in the wrong direction from here on out. Adding Castillo to the top of that group put the Mariners on track to host a first-round series, and if he stays as hot as he has in recent outings, Seattle can do some damage once it gets to October. Send the Reds, Matt Brash, and another prospect Maybe take on Mike Moustaka's contract and ready to roll. Schoenfeld. The Twins are the one first place team where Castillo can step in and become the team's number one starter, which is all the incentive the Twins should require to make a move. Aside from that, Sonny Gray and Chris Archer are averaging less than five innings per start, and Joe Ryan isn't much over five. This is a rotation that is not only solidly mediocre, 17th in the majors in ERA, but rarely goes deep into games. Tied for 26th in quality starts. Obviously, you want to make sure Castillo is healthy after recently missing two weeks before his start on Wednesday. But one additional incentive. The rival Guardians are a strong landing spot for Castillo as well. The Chicago Cubs should trade Wilson Contreras to the... Doolittle. It's pretty clear teams like the Houston Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays 
Don't assign value to the catcher position with the same methodology that goes into the calculation of war metrics. Because both of those teams seem to always have a glaring hole behind the plate according to war, and yet they win and consider to be among the smartest organizations around. With that caveat, an Astros lineup that has the potential for near perfection ranks dead last there, according to any type of consensus war measure. With recent rumors suggesting Houston might be willing to move a controllable starter, the Astros and Cubs start to match up nicely. This assumes Houston really does feel like it can do better than Martin Maldonado behind the plate. Okay, I know I already added Otani to the Mets. Well, they should trade for Contreras as well. Does owner Steve Cohen want to win a World Series or not? He very much does. You want to know what the Mets catchers are hitting? Entering Wednesday, 199. 255-266. That's the same OPS as Mario Mendoza, the symbol for offensive futility, and ranks 29th in the majors. There are other teams that want Contreras. The bottom five in catcher OPS are the Rays, Astros, Guardians, Mets, and Cardinals, all playoff contenders. So a trade, even as a rental, will require a couple of good prospects in return. Contreras rates on par with James McCann as a framer, so you shouldn't lose much on defense, at least once Contreras gets comfortable with the pitching staff. He's a veteran, so that shouldn't be an issue. How about this lineup? Center fielder Brandon Nemo, right fielder Sterling Marte, D.H. Otani, first base Pete Alonzo, San Francisco Francisco, or shortstop Francisco Lindor, catcher Contreras, left field Mark Hanna, second base Jeff McNeil, Third base, Eduardo Escobar. That's a lineup to make even a multi-billionaire happy. The Washington Nationals should trade Josh Bell to the... Doolittle. Bell makes a lot of sense for the Astros, but I'm trying to spread things around, so I'm sending him to the Cleveland Guardians. Any team acquiring Bell is to go in with its eyes open, knowing it more likely to get the player Bell is likely to be going forward than the player who had an all-star level first half. For Cleveland, Bell's an upgrade at first base in either scenario, and the Guardians would not have any trouble in meeting Washington's asking price. And if Bell is actually able to replicate his first half production, that could be enough to get the Guardians over the top in what figures to be tight races for the AL Central title and to the sixth playoff slot in the American League. Schoenfeld, I'm not against the Padres going for Soto, who might prove to be too irresistible for Preller no matter the cost. What I'm saying, don't stop at Soto. The Padres are 18th in the majors in OPS at first base, and that includes Eric Cosmer's torrid April, which is completely out of line from all his other months the past two seasons. Since the beginning of May, they're 26th at OPS at first base. They're also just 16th OPS from their DHs, with a collective 231, 318, 379 line that leaves plenty of room for improvement. Bell can slot in at either position, and suddenly a 2-3-4 of Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Bell looks like a championship middle of the order. The Chicago Cubs should trade Ian Happ. The Padres have to do something at the deadline, and I love the idea of them going heavy after both Happ and David Robertson. Taylor Rogers is a solid end-of-the-bullpen guy, but the Padres need depth down there. Meanwhile, Happ is just a flat-out roster upgrade. You can use him in first, fill in at second, anywhere in the outfield, or pencil him at DH where there's a lefty or righty on the mound. There isn't a roster he doesn't fit into. 
San Diego has the prospect depth to deal from, with Class A outfielder James Wood a possible fit for Chicago as someone who's been moving up on the prospect charts and could school the Cubs clubhouse on literary theory. The time is now for the Padres, and a deal like this reflects that. Make this trade, get Tatis back in the lineup, and look out, Dodgers and Mets. This is more from the files if it makes too much sense not to happen, but with Adam Duvall out for the year, Eddie Rosario still struggling, the Atlanta Braves could really use a left fielder. Happ is under team control for another season, so the Cubs don't have to trade him, but they're also still deep into their rebuild and Happ should get a nice return. He's also a good fit for the Braves as a switch hitter on a lineup that features just two lefties in Matt Olson and rookie Michael Harris II. The Oakland Athletics should trade Frankie Montas to the... More than anything, I just want the Baltimore Orioles to behave like a team that is trying to make the playoffs. After four seasons of 326 baseball entering 2022, their fans deserve that. And I wouldn't stop at Montes. Baltimore should try to pry Paul Blackburn away from Oakland as well. The Euros bullpen has been great, but without more consistent work from the rotation, I'm not sure the group can maintain this pace for the rest of the season. Obviously, the Orioles can't empty the prospect tank at this point, but maybe a couple of guys in the 11-30 to 30 organizational range paired with a controllable big leader can get it done. The Toronto Blue Jays are hardly locked into a playoff spot and could use starting pitcher, especially as they navigate all those games against AL East opponents the final two months, including 15 against an Orioles team that can score some runs. Montes would likely replace Yusei Kikuchi in the rotation, or they can move Ralph Stripling into a bullpen role. Don't forget that Kevin Gosman's ERA ballooned in the second half last season with the Giants, and he has a 4.43 ERA over his past nine starts. And while Jose Barrios has been a little better of late, he still owns a 5.20 ERA. It's possible that Montas, who is under team control for another season, could slide into a playoff rotation by the number the team's number two starter behind Alec Manoa, but the Jays have to get there first. 2022 MLB trade deadline grades, report cards for every big deal. Trade season is officially underway, with the August 2nd MLB trade deadline rapidly approaching. The New York Yankees and Kansas City Royals got this year's going with a trade sending all-star Andrew Benintendi to the Big Apple. How will the rest of the league follow New York's early splash? This is your one-stop shop for grades and analysis and breaking down the details for every trade as the deals go down. Is Andrew Benintendi the missing piece for the New York Yankees outfield? The trade. The Yankees acquire left fielder Andrew Benintendi from the Royals for pitching prospects TJ Sikama, Chandler Champlin, and Beckway. Less than a week before the 2022 trade deadline, the Yankees landed one of the buzziest names in the market in outfielder Andrew Benintendi, former arch rival with the Boston Red Sox, who now lands in the Bronx after a one-and-a-half season stay with the Royals. Kansas City has been out of contention for weeks, and with Benintendi working under an expiring contract, the Royals land a trio of pitching prospects for a player they almost certainly weren't going to sign after the season. Let's grade this thing. All season, the Yankees have been an outfield bat short, despite an offense that overall has been dazzling at the plate and in the field. The fly in the ointment has been Joey Gallo, who was one of the Yankees' deadline pickups last season. 
Get those pull-heavy power bats seemed like it could be a good fit for the Bronx, but no venue is a good fit for a swing that so infrequently produces contact. In 138 games as a Yankee, Gallo's produced a 160 average, 25 homers, and 191 strikeouts. On Tuesday night against the Mets, Yankee skipper Aaron Boone sent Gallo to the plate in the key spot, with New York down two with a runner on in the eighth. Against Edwin Diaz, Gallo predictably struck out. And while plenty of hitters have struck out recently against Diaz, there was something futile in watching Gallo flail away. A friend texted me the question, if Diaz faced Gallo a hundred times, how many times would he strike out? The answer, a lot. Adding Benintendi accomplishes a number of objectives for the Yankees. Keeps them away from their rivals such as the Blue Jays, who are reportedly interested. It means Gallo is playing less frequently. He strengthens the outfield defense and even has enough chops with the glove to chip in at center field. And Benintendi's batting average driven style at the plate will help balance the Yankees' attack and set the table for Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, and New York's other boppers to drive him home. The Benintendi the Yankees are getting is different from the one who was one of the game's top prospects during his early days with the Red Sox. He spent much of his time in Kansas City trying to recapture that swing, looking to use more of the field and be less pull-heavy. More or less, he's accomplished those things this season, bumping his line drive rate, hitting more to center and left field, and drastically cutting his fly ball and strikeout rates. He's been a one-man counterfactual to the launch angle revolution. The end result is an almost entirely different hitter, one who hasn't produced much power but draws walks and hits for average. Benintendi has a chance this season to resurrect the seemingly extinct species, the everyday player who gets on base 40% of the time while producing a sub-400 slugging percentage. Ironically, moving to Yankee Stadium might kill the latter metric as he might get a few more balls into the seats. Regardless, chances are Benintendi has learned this lesson about trying to launch and pull and will likely continue his contact-heavy, all-field approach. Though Benintendi of the Yankees has been among the trade season's most talked-about rumors, it was in doubt recently when Benintendi was one of the 10 Royals placed on the restricted list before Kansas City traveled to Toronto because, as an unvaccinated person, they could not enter Canada. The Yankees have one more trip to Toronto left on the regular season docket, and it, but more importantly, it's possible New York might run into Blue Jays during the playoffs. Because of this, there was some question about if any of the AL East contenders would be willing to spring for Benintendi. The Yankees traded for him, so they're obviously either unconcerned about his ability to play in Canada, or they're convinced the personal decision he's alluded to will now guide him toward getting the shot. Since Blue Jays were also reportedly among the suitors, seems like the latter scenario is more likely. From a baseball and trade grade standpoint, this render that renders his VAC status as irrelevant. If you're a fan of the Royals or public health, you might see that differently. Despite ending the Benintendi area on a sour note with that Toronto debacle, the Royals have been pleased with his return. Last year, they shipped Franchi Cordero to Boston and Khalil Lee to the Mets as part of the three-team deal that brought back Benintendi, who turned out to be an all-star level contributor, well, except in Canada. Now, with his contract running out, Kansas City was able to flip him for three pitching prospects. They tried to win with Benintendi and failed, but they recovered to spin his value forward. It's what you want to do. According to ESPN's Kyler McDaniel, the plum of this deal is right-hander Beck Way, a fourth-round pick of the Yankees in 2020. According to Baseball America, 
Way features a four-seamer that works in the 92-94 miles per hour range and reaches 97. He supports that with a quality changeup and a developing slider. McDaniel sees him as a possible mid-rotation starter. The season at high A, he has a 3.73 ERA over 15 starts with 10 strikeouts per 9 innings. TJ Sikama is a lefty out of Missouri, will now hope to break into the majors with a team that plays two hours from his college venue. He throws with decent velocity, but mostly features command and deception with a three-quarters arm slot for Baseball America. His number for the Yankees' high A squad have been better than those of Way this season. Right-handler Chandler Champlain was a ninth-round pick by the Yankees out of Southern Cal last year. This season, he's flashed a sparkly strikeout rate, but he's also given up enough homers suggests he's spending a little too much time around the center of the plate. Unranked by Baseball Top America among New York's top 30 before the campaign, he's made his way to the back of the rankings during the season. It's a perfectly fine haul for a good player like Benintendi, who is not a cornerstone talent who you weren't going to sign anyway. The only question could have fared better by holding on to Benintendi, hoping to extract a premium prospect from someone as the deadline clock ticked down. Right now, it's hard to ding them for that, but perhaps we'll regulate if we see players similar, but inferior have been intending moved for greater return. How much does acquiring Carlos Santana from Kansas City Royals help the Seattle Mariners? The trade. The Seattle Mariners acquired first baseman Carlos Santana and cash from the Kansas City Royals for right-handed pitchers Wyatt Mills and William Fleming. MLB Tree says, MLB trade season is here. Okay, we know this isn't stop the precious material, but a baseball trade is always interesting. This one carries a few more implications than what's obvious on the surface. Let's discuss. Fitting that it's Jerry DePoto who gets the in-season trade movement going. The Mariners entered this season optimistic. They are ready to contend for the American League West, or at the very least, one of the many wildcard slots now available to MLB teams. Instead, the Mariners have been kind of all over the place, with alternating periods of hot and cold play. The cold stretches have tended to stretch longer than the hot ones. The Seattle enters play on Monday, six games under 500. That puts the Mariners in a tie for 11th place in the AL hierarchy. The team they are tied with is the Baltimore Orioles, who began a series in Seattle on Monday night. Both teams are seven games out of the sixth spot in the American League. Seattle is 4th place in the AOS race, 12 games back of the powerful Houston Astros. All told, this adds up to about 13% chance at a playoff spot for Seattle, according to my system, and it's only that high because the Mariners are nearly at break-even and run differential minus 1 against an above-average strength of schedule. While it's certainly possible that the Mariners could go on a hot streak and get back into the wildcard picture, their chances of doing so don't seem to be necessarily bolstered by the addition of Santana. The Mariners lost Ty France to what was diagnosed as a grade 2 flexor strain, suffering a collision at first base with Oakland's Sheldon Noose on Thursday. France was placed on the injured list and is eligible to return as early as this weekend, but the steel strongly suggests that he's not expected to be ready to return then or any time close to it. The loss of France is a blow to the Seattle offense, which ranks 26th in runs per game, but a more palatable 11th in OPS+, which adjusts for ballpark factors. France is enjoying an all-star caliber season, hitting for career bests in all three slash categories, 316, 390, 476. He leads the Mariners in hits, in RBIs, 
and has created 10 more runs than any other Seattle hitter. Even before this trade, the Mariners have been leaning heavily on journeymen and with little in the way of positive effect. The glaring example is 34-year-old Justin Upton, who's been getting regular time despite looking pretty well done prior to joining Seattle. He was released by the Angels near the end of spring training, and since the start of the 29th season has a 208 average and 88 OPS. The Mariners have not gotten much mileage this season out of fill-ins. And now Santana is added to that parade, and his career trajectory is not dissimilar to that of Upton. He's only a couple of years older. Santana is hitting 211 since the start of 2020 season with an 86 OPS+. Plus. A recent stretch of hot hitting in his 2022 lineup near league average. Even better in June, Santana at 357, 478, and 554 for Kansas City, with much of that production coming in a pair of four-hit games. Depoto seems to try to be catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe Santana stays hot, fills the void opened by France's absence, and bolsters the lineup in a DH reserve role after France returns. Given the longer arc of Santana's recent career and his age, odds would be against his recent tariff continuing for long, but you never know. It comes down to this for me. Did you really have to trade two pitching prospects to fill a short-term opening for a player who might well be washed up during a season? in which your hopes for contention have all but faded? You have to admire DePoto's persistence, but if I'm him, I'm less concerned with how Santana might or might not fill in for France, and more concerned that I didn't feel like there was an in-house option who could do that job just as well. Grade, C-. The trade was likely only possible because of Santana's hot streak. After he had two hits and drove in a pair of runs on Sunday, his OPS this season reached 690, the highest it's been since September 9th of last season. The Royals seized the opportunity created by Santana's spree to not only add a couple of arms to the organization, but also open up a spot for one of their two premier first base prospects who have spent this season so far at AAA. One of them, Vinny Pasquantino, was recalled from Omaha at the same time the trade was announced. The other, Nick Prado, has had an uneven season but still shouldn't be far behind. Santana's time served its purpose. He bought some time for Prato and Pascantino, who stock really soared over the past year. He offered plate discipline to an organization that has chronically lacked that trait, and perhaps he offered that model of a professional approach that could be surveyed by younger hitters such as Bobby Witt Jr. and MJ Melendez. Santana was hitting 150 at the end of May, and if that had gone on much longer, the Royals would have had to consider releasing him outright to make way for one of the prospects despite the remaining money on his contract, probably around $6 million or so for the remainder of this season. The cash headed to Seattle and the deal was unknown, but the chances are the Mariners won't be on the hook for much of Santana's salary. For the Royals, it's neither here nor there because they were able to convert the sunk cost of Santana into two additional arms for the system. The more immediate help will come from Mills, who entered the season as the Mariners' 10th-ranked prospect for ESPN's Kylie McDaniel. That's not nothing, given Seattle's overall number 6 organizational ranking. Mills, 27, is a true side armor whose arm slot makes him a promising complementary pitcher for a team looking to throw different looks at opposing hitters. Back in March, McDaniel wrote, Mills is a low-slot righty reliever with above-average stuff and command. He could be an 8th inning arm as soon as 2022. Indeed, Mills made 8 appearances for Seattle earlier this season and fared well for the most part. With his arm slot, finding a pitch to combat lefty hitters is essential, and so far Mills has not found that pitch. 
Lefties have a 1-2-0-3 OPS in 26 plate appearances thus far, though he's fared better this year during his 11-game big MLB debut in 2021. The Royals will start Mills in Omaha, though their big league bullpen could certainly use some help. Fleming is a wild card, a lanky 6-6 righty who has worked for Class A Modesto this season. McDaniel didn't rate him among the prospects, but Fangraph signed him a future value of 35-plus and described his robust fastball as been hittable thus far. This wraps it up for Sports News. Your reader has been Clark Kibito. Thank you for listening, and now please stay tuned for continued programming on Radio I. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.